Hey, Jimmy. Hey, Jay. I'm here too, guys. Oh, I just replaced you. Oh, no. Uh, Jimmy's yeah. slowly moving in. I have a hot take that I'm going to throw out on the table. Yeah. Either agree or disagree. Jimmy, Jimmy's back. Jimmy Dykstra. We didn't say your whole name last time. That's true. We just called That's you fine. Jimmy. Jimmy Bruce Dykstra <laughs> is here again this week. Okay. I've okay. Never, I don't know if I've ever heard my full name, but with Jimmy instead of James. Yeah, yeah that's I, true. I, I, isn't it on your on your license, on your birth certificate, Jimmy? I want that to be true. Please no, say that it is. No, no, just it's, pretend that it is. I oh, yes, Tyler, it is definitely Jimmy Bruce Dykstra. <laughs> yeah. I think it's adorable when adults use little, like, kid Tommy. abbreviation. Yeah, Tommy, Jimmy, Jimmy Davey. Yeah. Do you really want to call me James? No. no. Exactly. exactly. Jim would be the grown-up version. I'm not doing that either. Or Jay, if you wanted to go hipster. I already took Uh, it. You could do JB. Every time I want to talk about Jay, uh, I want to say Jason. I'm like, oh, he goes by Jay. (laughs) Only with the people that like me. Yeah, we learned. I learned that when he he encourages you to say Jay, that's his secret way of saying you're on the inner circle. You know what he's never done to me? Yeah. He's he's never encouraged me to say Jay. uh, It's Jason. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) James, if you could, James, uh, yeah. if you could get James it and Jason, yeah. So, so it was announced uh, this week that DC Talk is getting back together. <laughs> and here's my hot wait, take. Wait, I do want everyone to notice that the good Christian stuff theme song is not playing during this yeah. session. Here, I was gonna say, here's my hot take, and people mm-hmm. are like legitimately online losing their minds. What? That, that with excitement that DC Talk is coming back. Thank you. I'm glad because are they every the ones t- that are excited about the Veggie Tales? They're people also? that are your age, right? Yeah, it's I mean, definitely not people my age. Yeah, because oh I goodness. don't know if anyone my age knows who DC Talk I is. I don't think I can't think who of a the, single who, thing DC is, Talk did that who was is awesome. DC Talk. Yeah. Oh, I love rap music. Was a great song, <laughs> <laughs> especially because it's not a rap. Well, I love rap music. I love that we can't have this conversation without singing. Yeah. So wait. For those that don't know Christian subculture, DC Talk was a rap, and I'm using air quotes here. Rock uh, group, uh, and and they had two albums, three. They They had one that was marginally. They they released five five major studio albums together. Wow. They they had three before Jesus Freak. Right. Wow. New thing. Free at last. How do I know that? DC Talk, uh, Jesus okay. freaking super. Jesus, so DC Talk, so for it's anyone, right. probably the simplest way of putting it, for anyone who has no real connection uh, with Christian subculture and no, Christian nineties Christian yeah. subculture. Well, yeah. that's, I mean, but that's well, when it was. That's when it was formulated. Mm-hmm. So DC Talk is the poster. The it's the prototype for all of the worst of Christian. Like when you think of the stereotypical, like really annoying Christian music. Yeah. That's DC Talk, where they're really trying to like this is the trend, and we're just going to say Jesus a lot, and yeah. and they did it so well that I don't want to offend people by claiming that it was not in any way good. I'll do that. It was not in any way good. At one point, that's did you the think musician. It was good, though? What's that? At what point did you think it was good? At one point, I got into a little bit of the fur the the Jesus, Jesus Freak, Freak album, yeah. and I was like, okay, that's not so so bad. And then I heard yeah. other music, and I was like, well, actually. It kind of is. Yeah, so, it so was bad. really bad. But so what DC Talk has done now, the way they've made a name for themselves, is Toby Mac, uh, mm-hmm. the rapper, went off and started his own career. And He's became, like 60 years old. Yeah, he became the Christian Beyonce, uh, was part of a super group, and then went and did his own thing. That's one way to put it. Yeah. And then DC Talk, the other two members, spent the rest of the 2000s and into the 2010s reviving the other bad bands from the 90s. 
so Michael Newsboys. Tate. Newsboys. Michael Tate. Michael Tate runs uh, Newsboys now, or is the lead singer of Newsboys. Bunch of uh, Australian guys. And I actually and only it's him and the drummer. Might. Like that's the only original Newsboy. Yeah. That's there. Yeah. yeah. And then what's the other guy's name? I can't even think of the other guy's it's name now. Irrelevant. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he uh, fronted Audio Adrenaline. Oh my goodness. Which and I am gonna say this. And I mean it from the bottom of my heart, and I have a lot of, of, of examples to reference. That was the worst <laughs> musical performance <laughs> I have ever seen With him in my in entire life. Yeah, or, he was okay. the lead singer of Audio it just Adrenaline. Audio Adrenaline? What, what was their song? What's an audio? I have no Big connection House to this. is Audio Adrenaline. <laughs> I have no idea. With lots and lots of yeah, rooms? that one. What? Big, big house. Where we can oh. play football? Yeah, right. Oh, my goodness. I, I cannot believe that I grew up in the church as pastor's kid. Yeah, and I have, I actively even as a high school kid, I was like, I refuse to be exposed to any of this stuff. You never heard that song? No. What? Wow. No, I have no not. that's huge. Because you grew up when that was a thing. I, yeah. I know. It's 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 right in my era. I also don't know any uh, newsboy songs. It was three chords and it had hand motions. So What's obviously mm-hmm. every oh, worship yeah. band. Anything from the that had hand yeah. motions, I was out. Yeah. What? Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> What's a newsboy song? What's the big, the biggest newsboy uh, song? They, they had breakfast was a thing. What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> They had a Is song, the song called breakfast. breakfast Was a Thing? Because no, no. I like that a lot more than just breakfast. No, theirs breakfast was, uh, was they, they don't serve breakfast in hell. That was uh, the way they scared you into into faith. Was that the one that was all about the different breakfast that's biblical cereals? right yeah. there. Is it was like one step away from a Weird Al song. Yeah. But like yeah. not. Well, okay, that's wait, all of Christian music. But I do want to say, though, I, I, I want to dial back on that statement because I think Weird Al is a genius. So to say it's one <laughs> step away from I have 100% respect, for non-ironic respect for Weird Al. Yeah. Uh, and to... To, to claim that any of these crappy parodies are like Weird Al is really not fair to Weird Al or parodies. Um, what, uh, so do you, what, uh, what, uh, the first Christian music that I heard that was good yeah. was, and I'm derailing just This a is a bit, good question though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, was Flood by yeah. Jars of Clay. Because oh. that was the first one who was playing on the radio. Yeah. like, wait a minute, Christian music can be actually good? Yeah. And th- then apparently they have many other albums with many other songs on it but I was only there for that one song Yeah, and uh, I would never go to a concert or anything uh, but I was really excited it's like Christian music can be pretty decent then I heard the um, who did Sadie Hawkins dance who's that Reliant, Reliant K. K Reliant K it was like the replacements no Reliant K and I was like oh that's actually like a full on good band like yeah. every kind of everything they do is pretty fun and then um, well not yet Switchfoot then I think the next big one was uh, your favorite Five Iron Frenzy, Five Iron Frenzy. and then I was like okay this is straight up fun and yeah. it's like good music uh, the production was a little cheap Other, yeah. like that's what I would give it is that it's like you could tell that this is not a band behind a major label right But which uh, almost endeared them more yeah. to me oh yeah, yeah. they were yeah. charming and uh, Brave Saint Saturn was like really creative songs where the guy is singing way over his voice yeah like but it's so like these are epic songs for a guy with not an epic voice but that's what makes him even more charming yeah and um then, when I was like post college into seminary stuff, that's when like Switchfoot and like the the real band. Like, that was my middle school yeah. years. Yeah, for <laughs> exactly. reference, his, little Jimmy had just finished growing out his He-Man style. I was like, things are gonna happen now. And then he climbed up in a tree and he broke his arm. <laughs> and then and I, I started like, oh, crying shucks. to dare you to move. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 but then, I mean, that's when you get to it, like the real, like the the artists who are Christian and not. Oh, and now this is an episode of Good Christian Stuff. Yeah. For a second. Yeah. The artists who are Christian. Like, yes. You get Amberlyn. You get. Oh, I mean, yeah. As yeah. We t- yeah. Uh, I mean, Me Without You 
all day long. Yep. You get, um, I mean, we talked about uh, Family Force 5, who's like just the super fun, Hold up. stupid, dumb. Wait a minute. Put a little <laughs> love in it. Uh, and, and, and that's where you get that turning point where like, oh, they... They can be real people. Yeah. And to bring it back to uh, what I what probably was before, uh, the <laughs> kind of the lack of authenticity or the fake authenticity in a, like a Tom Cruise actually really plays well into my biggest problem with Christian culture and Christian music and yeah. stuff like that is that it's like, hey, guys, we all feel this, right? Hey, we're going to yeah. put your hands up. Hey, now we're going to sing and now we're going to sing the friends are friends forever and everybody's going to put their arms together, like put their arms around each other and sway like that. Um, that kind of forced youth group experience where there's going to be an altar call at the end is mm-hmm. very Tom Cruise uh, and very what had what put me off of Christian music. And that's when you get a band like Switchfoot who could authentically just be a bunch of guys who like to play rock music who are also Christians. And yeah. so the Christian themes come into it rather than being forced into it. And they organically come that way. And that's why it's been interesting as we've moved into a culture where it's been more accessible for folks like Chance the Rapper, Kendrick Lamar, J. Cole, like a lot of hip hop right now is where the most overtly Christian music is coming out, but it's not proselytizing Christian music. It's how do I deal with a faith that tells me that something's better when I'm in this broken world and I'm drawn to these broken things. Mm -hmm. And that to me is so compelling. I've taken us far afield, so no, I'm going to dial it back to where Jay was going. Well, where, where, what was your first real good Christian music? Oh, Switchfoot, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess Jars of Clay. I don't remember, like, first listening to Jars of Clay, because that just was, like, always in my life as a as a PK also. Yeah. Um, a lot of this Christian music. But, yeah, Switchfoot was definitely the first thing. I was like, well, this is cool and Christian. Like, yeah. wow, I, who knew? Who knew that was possible? Who's Who's on your radar now for good Christian music? I don't really listen to, to much uh, I like do overtly like, like Christian worship music, you yeah. know? Uh, oh, like, worship music's terrible. But I like Hillsong. Yeah, but I think I'm, a lot I'm of... I'm generally in, in, on board with... I mean, a, since Hillsong hit with Oceans, they've been more like really impressed with themselves and just trying to get super ethereal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think in the highest hit ratio of like legitimately good songs that are good worship songs... Josh Garrels. If I say that name. Oh, yeah. About him. I forgot about him. So good. Like that's the thing. Like is yeah. Gunger still? Uh... No. Okay. But then, yes. like, but that's the type of music that I'd be like, oh, yeah. this is good. Yeah. This is like worshipy, Christiany. Gunger is probably like I would say Gunger in terms of the connection with the. For me personally, I'm not telling you what to think. But, yes, <laughs> you I would am. never do that. Here, Jimmy, here's what, here's what you should have said. Uh, <laughs> their 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 live album. I think it's just yeah. called Liturgy, a creation, mm-hmm. liturgy. A, cre- a creation liturgy. That's the peak Gunger in their openness kind of like curiosity about God without before they kind of turned and yep. got too cynical about like before. So Michael Gunger was, uh, uh, the, he's the lead singer songwriter of a band called Gunger. Uh, they did a creative song called, name. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they did a song. It's a great called, name. Their, their biggest song is probably called, uh, the one called beautiful things. Mm-hmm. You make beautiful things out of us. They were, um, a praise band. We had talked about them at one point. They, they started as the, the tra- touring main praise band on acquire the fire which is mm. this super conservative, they're from Colorado, I think, uh, but it was the super conservative youth event that like tried to weaponize young people yeah. into political things. It was really, it was terrible. Oof. And his experience on that actually led him to write a song called God is not a white man. And yep. it's a great song. I highly recommend the YouTube video is great. It's like a flannel graph thing. And so it became this praise band, uh, this, this, it was unique within the Christian culture because he had be, been a huge part of the evangelical church and like a, a huge praise band where the, their songs get used in worship and things like that. Beautiful Things was one that was used a whole lot. And in the midst of that, at one point he does an interview 
uh, and he still had a he had a job at a church like he was the like and, and um like a huge national recording artist praise band guy uh he and his wife lisa are become are the core of the band um, and then at one point he does an interview where he said he didn't think the Bible, w- every single word of the Bible was literally true. Yeah. And the church dropped him like, like a, a bad, bad habit. habit. Yeah. yeah. And um, just like uh, Jason's favorite, the heretic Rob Bell. Yeah. The heretic yeah. Rob Bell. So and true. Rob Bell mm-hmm. treated that by like going, okay. Yeah. yeah. And he sort of was like, Gunger oh, said, oh. what? And, <laughs> yeah. and so then uh, Michael Gunger uh, then kind of his next phase is to start this thing called the liturgist podcast, which I highly recommend. That would be a podcast I probably have recommended to more people than any other thing and it's him and this guy science mike i think we talked about it at one point uh but if not mm-hmm. it's yeah it's a friend he of did. his yeah who is very science and they both have kind of come back to it and rachel held evans uh who recently passed away was mm-hmm. a, was a huge voice in that show uh, co-hosted or uh, guested enough that she's almost a co-host she'd probably be yeah. like a dozen episodes but it was a great show of talking about faith and reality they love the enneagram on that show yeah mm-hmm. uh and connecting like trying to uh, in a similar a more complicated and intellectual version of what we kind of try to do here yeah um, <laughs> it's but, the better us right yeah. yeah yeah less jokes uh so uh, all that it, and, and then in the in the course of that process especially with the liturgists um and the way the church just completely turned their back on him and and villainized, villainized and demonized him uh, Michael Gunger starts to question a lot of stuff and gets to the point where he's now uh, does, would not call himself a Christian, mm-hmm. which is really um, it's it's authentic and it's a it's a his journey is is a I think a healthy one. I hope that's not where he lands. Yeah, not for any sense of that I claim ownership over him or that it's going to wipe out the authenticity of his music or anything right. like that. But I I just think it's a hopeless place to land. I don't want anyone to land there. Me neither. But I can listen to that music now and, and identify yeah and say like mm-hmm. oh i can be cynical yeah. Uh, yeah whether that's good or bad uh, there is yeah. hope in the creation liturgy that is kind of lost from mm-hmm. some of their later music yeah that's fair yeah. and it's still beautiful stuff but it's it's it kind of is it's curious it seems like it's lost like it's saying why well, I, I sought hope here and i the the representatives of that place have kind of shown me that that's not the place to look yeah I do think it's a it's a healthy place to go through that place. Sure, that 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 the valley that he is in is not bad at all because he is not firmly. I think that to be a, a firm atheist requires more faith than to be a Christian. So true. Because it is saying absolutely, I know the truth. It mm-hmm. is fundamentalism, um, and and it's just as toxic on that side. The fu- the fundamentalist Christians are fundamentalist anything in terms of belief and the fundamentalism in terms of non-belief. Um, it's uh, it, it's sad. And so that everyone else is kind of in some form of agnosticism, which is just saying without knowledge. That's what that means. So you can be a believer who is without knowledge. That's where we all are. We all have questions. We all have points where we're like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know about that. I don't know how to reconcile this part of it. And Gunger got to, Michael Gunger got to a point, and Lisa also got to a point where they they couldn't rationalize the the damaging things that have come out of the church with this faith that they're trying to Mm -hmm. hold on to. And it was easier to just let go of that connection. (laughs) To the point that they have stopped Gunger as a band because they're still doing music, but they're going to have a new name because what that was, they said it would be too confusing to people to have music come out that is not consistent with that mm-hmm. yeah. or is it focused on other themes than yeah, they want to play new things than their yeah. old praise music. Yeah. 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 And and they had come out with an, with a three with an album that had three parts that was like released over six months. And there was enough kind of questioning things on those albums that they actually re-released them with less songs on them because they took off the songs that people were really struggling with. Yeah. And 
that's I think the turning point where they realize like we love this music, but it doesn't fit with the Gunger name because people kind of expect this from it. And so we'll just kind of retire that and do a new thing. And what's sad is, I mean, you were saying you don't explicitly listen to like Christian music. The people that you that we all name as decent Christian artists yeah. walk that line where they're not right. necessarily holding on to a Christian label or yeah. playing Christian you, and festivals you're, you're all the time. You're in a slightly different uh, circle than the two of us in that you play regularly in a praise band. It drives right. me crazy. And so, you, but you, but you have to be. Like I can live my life never listening to Christian music ever again, yeah. and yeah. it won't impact. Other than me having to be aware of the type of theology we're presenting through our our praise band that I'm not a part of, but that in the worship that I lead, I do have to check him every once in a while. And like, yeah. we're not going to talk about God's wrath or substitutionary atonement or things like that. Like any of those well things that are seditiously snuck in there. We're like, we're going to not sing that song. For, I, I tweeted this out the other Jeez. day. I was in Chick Fil A uh, meeting with somebody. And I had a couple minutes to just sit and do work and write sermons and stuff. And Chick-fil-A, if you don't know, plays Christian music without the words. <laughs> On a piano. Wait, Chick-fil-A does? Yeah. Yeah. Go to any Chick-fil-A and you'll start, if you listen Wait, carefully you... enough. Oh, that's not a bit? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha! Yay! Oh, man, that's my favorite game is trying to convince people that I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Your face was so genuine. I know. It, it was. Really good. Which I confused you... me because it's an audio medium, so I didn't Wait, know play Christian music why in a, you... In a restaurant. Yeah. yeah. But if you listen to... to... Are the owners Christian? Yeah, a little uh, bit. Mm. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. sorry. <laughs> okay. It doesn't look like. But anyway, it. so I'm sitting there and listening to this awful music playing without words, and realize that Christian worship music right now is elevator music with Bible over it. Yep, it's and country was, music. Yeah, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's terrible. The other thing, so like, it's one thing to look at worship music and be like, I want to make sure we're not doing substitutionary atonement or like that kind of awful stuff, but. My old boss used to talk all the time. He did a lot of sermons on public faith and witness and like justice issues. And I always try and as the worship leader match songs with what's being spoke. There's nothing out there, guys. It's all big freaking hole in the worship music to talk about what we do outside these walls. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's just not there. Well, and even something like, I mean, my, uh, I really do love Hillsong, but Hillsong one, the theology of the Hillsong church is not great. Yeah. And, but it's not often reflected in their music, which is interesting. Right. Uh, but partially it's because their music is not often really that deep. Yeah. I mean, they do have a great line of like, uh, break my heart for what breaks yours. Like that's like, that'll get you. Solid. Yeah. yeah. But it, like really how deep is that going? It's really, I mean, it's connecting you emotionally, it's, but it it's is going as deep as an ocean, Tyler, <laughs> as oceans. Call me out on that water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, so, I mean, and in a sense, maybe that's what makes, uh, I mean, Hillsong is the, it's, it's the Harrison Ford of music that you look at Harrison Ford, he's not really doing anything, but he allows you in. You're like, I can relate to that guy. Yeah. yeah. And Hillsong is that. But no, that's uh, part of it when I get free time, haha, um, <laughs> is that like I've, I've hit a point where it's like, I need to start writing this music. Yes. Because it's not out there. Oh, it's just not don't. there. So I'm Jay. I'm Tyler. <laughs> and I'm Jimmy. And this, this is, is Roughing, Roughing the, the Pastor. I was throwing my arms up when I did. I know you did. Yeah.
Okay, today, um, it, well, one, welcome back. Uh, our friend Jimmy Bruce is with us again. Hello, Jimmy Bruce. Jimmy Bruce, like, Jimmy Bruce. Uh, hello, named after Bruce Lee and Jimmy Walker. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and what, what was the guy's name? Lenny. Lenny Dykstra from the Philadelphia Phillies. Ah, yeah. So it's Mets. it's yeah, it's Jimmy Walker. It's uh, it's Bruce uh, Lee. Bruce, Bruce Lee and Lenny and Dykstra. Lenny Dykstra. And really, that, he was on the Phillies your, first. He's like he got okay. big on the Phillies. Yeah, that's your that's your personality in one. Yeah, it really is. Yes. Yeah. yeah uh. <laughs> also, if you know who more than one of those people are, way to go. Yeah, you, you could good if job. you want. By the way, if you want, if you see me, you could call me Lenny Page Lee, and that would still work. Lenny. Oh. Page. Right, wasn't it Jimmy Page? Bruce Lee? Yeah. And no, it was Lenny Jimmy Dexter? Walker. Jimmy Walker. I'm sorry. Yeah, so got dynamite. Lee <laughs> Lenny Lee Walker. Really, Ooh, Lenny, Lenny Lee, Lee Walker. Walker. That's, That's pretty Lenny good. Lee That's kind of you are a comic book villain waiting to happen. Lenny with Lee that Walker, name. he's the yeah. guy who wrote and directed Hell or oh. High Water. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So Jimmy's back. That's super exciting. And um, we, we for want, you guys, maybe not the listeners. And, <laughs> no, but I'm d- excited. No, yeah, I'm, very, I'm always and excited, and I am one of the listeners. I do very listen to our podcast. Yeah, yeah so. if I forget on a hilarious level that Jimmy is not two years younger than me. That's true. Yeah. Wow. I know. I mean, not in a bad way. I think mm-hmm. that I think I'm. Well, I, I've stopped thinking that I'm younger than I actually am. I think that my body. You finally got there. My body's like <laughs> you're almost forty, yeah. and I'm like, I know, I gave up. Uh, <laughs> Oh, is it because we? that's the same way I am? Yep. Yeah. You're finally 25. Like, oh, I gave him up. <laughs> yeah. I think I really, I, I feel like Jimmy is the same age as me or just a couple years younger because we make the same noises when we get out of chairs. Yeah. We both go, Hah! I'm right there. <laughs> yep. Right there. We, we have the same level of cynicality, which is uh, hard because, Jimmy, you are 25. Mm-hmm. You're 14 years younger than me. Yeah. Uh, so when I met you, I was exactly twice your age in that sense. What? You were 14. <laughs> and you were 28? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly I think great. that checks out. Sorry, I was confused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that checks out. So um, one of the things that we want to talk about today is uh, the sense that we have all, uh, the three of us have grown up in the church. Probably a lot of you have grown up in the church, even if you aren't in the church right now. That A lot of, uh, especially Protestants, have generally had experience with the church. They grew up, they went to Bible school, they went to different things like this. Jimmy and I were both pastor's kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Um, so it, it it's something where and and middle school yeah for you like it really like it, I've always been a part of the church middle school is when I got like hooked to it yeah um, but like I've always been around I can't remember the come to Jesus moment yeah. right like it's so just it was always yeah. part of your life but that was when it became a, a part of well especially because middle school is when you when you yeah. that's when you, there's a group that you're allowed to be involved oh yeah that right. beyond like hundred percent yeah. it yeah yeah so. We as people who have always grown up, and I often I used to characterize it like um, that the church and Star Wars are the two things in my life that I can't remember before they were in my life. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that's and and uh, I know that we can overemphasize Star Wars a lot, but I I don't mean to to put that on the line of the start of the church, but it's also like like that's just always something that was me. And like the Pittsburgh Pirates, like it's always just this is just what you like. Yeah, and so I can't remember being introduced to either of those things because of that. Um, we we people who have grown up in the church have a unique experience from people who didn't grow up in the church. Um, particularly huh. because we, it was always just, uh, taken for granted that this is what you will do. Yeah. Um, and so it's been an interesting thing. Um, and I think that we're at a really, I think it's a good age in the church and in our culture that a lot of the Christendom stuff, which we talked at length about, 
uh, I would highly recommend you. I would refer you to episode. I think it's eleven. Politics of the the set the the yeah, the ice cream and and Kalmanor episode two. Yeah, where we really kind of break down the fall of Christendom and empire and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and recommend you to read more about that from people who aren't us. But there's the nation of the notion of this this idea of a Christian empire is kind of falling apart, and a Christian the the idea of a Christian nation the the kind of mirage of what that was is dissolving. And so the is status it, quo of Christianity, I think, is it dissolving in nationally, or is it just dissolving in? I think it's dissolving nat- na- nationally. And culturally, and people are resistant to it in the yeah. death throes. In the same people way, people are really resistant to it. Very much though. so. But in the yes. same way that, like, we're now in a healthier place with race than we ever have been, even though it seems like it's worse. Yeah. Because okay. in order for something to get healthy, first we have to acknowledge this reality. Like, I, I would say that we are healthier now with race than we were ten years ago. We're healthier now with gender issues now than we were ten years ago. But to say that we're healthy, like the Me Too movement has unveiled a reality that we have to deal with. We haven't dealt with it yet. Right. We haven't. We but now we know it. It's diagnosis. Like, yeah, we have gone to the doctor, and the doctor has told us we have cancer. We cannot pretend that we don't have cancer anymore. Yeah, and the, there's and a lot of work still to be done on all of. Those. Oh my gosh! I think yeah. we just, yeah, just got to acknowledge it. We are yeah. cresting the wave of all of those things. Like so, it's not even the the work is set before us. But we are. Uh, it, it, we can't deny that that work is not necessary anymore. And so I think that that's and part of those cultural things are all connected to each other. Like part of the Christian, the illusion of the Christian nation is that men had roles and women had roles, that there was no racism because we were post-racial, like everyone because was equal. white men were the ones yes, in power. Yes. And all for all of those scenarios you've just mentioned. And we mentioned. were taught songs like the, which sounds insensitive to even say now, but the red and yellow, black and white, they're precious in a sight like mm-hmm. that. You sing that as a kid and you think like, oh yeah, there is no racism because we just... Right. identified people by colors and therefore everything is good and we know that they're all precious <laughs> in his sight and if we and if god loves them then clear and god has created the system then clearly there's nothing wrong with this system because martin luther king has already happened yeah. and so everybody's got a shot like the, this idea of it's already been fixed so you guys just have to maintain is very different than the reality we realize like oh it was never fixed it, it very much connects me <laughs> It's one of the more frustrating things that I've encountered in the last uh, month is the news that all of our recycling, the vast majority of recycling, was just garbage that we were sending to China. Yeah. They weren't recycling it. They were just taking our garbage. Yeah. And so like 80% of the cardboard that we thought was recycling was just going to be garbage in China. And then because of all the trade wars and stuff, China said, we're not taking your garbage anymore. And now what we thought we had solved we not only haven't solved, but we now actually have to figure out a way to solve it. Like we thought it had been solved by other people and we thought we were good people. And now we realize like, no, not only did you not solve it, but we still need to figure out how to solve it. It's not like you solved it and didn't do it. Like the thing you were doing wasn't actually fixing it. So that's where we are with racism. And let, let me ask you a legitimate question coming out of yeah. all that. Cause you guys are both pastors, kids and, and both of you named those things almost right off the bat. Like you could kind of see behind the curtain of, yeah. The church isn't what it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And by the by, this racism, sexism, Me Too, all of it, like that's all connect. Is that unique to you? Or, or is there is there a piece of being a pastor's kid that opens you up to that? Or is that just the uniqueness of the two of you sitting here? I think, I mean, for me, I think, the, the, I mean, there's a lot of depth to this topic that we can't get into today just yeah. for timing reasons. And it becomes a different episode. So, I, I mean, on the surface, yes, uh, you see how the sausage is made in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. And you yeah. see how much... Uh, even at their best, that pastors have to 
um, compartmentalize things and uh, to be as optimistic as possible. And sometimes, and, and this is not trying to like pull the curtain back on us currently, but it is, I mean, you do have to, you have to have hope. And mm-hmm. sometimes when you don't naturally have that hope, you have to pretend. <laughs> and that's when it's the most hollow. And I think seeing that in other, not just in my own family, but seeing it in other pastors as I've grown up, seeing that kind of false hope and the, the fabricated hope and the illusion of hope and the illusion of something has made me um, w- work harder to not do that. Yeah. And I think there are times where when I don't have it, I try to not pretend as though I have it. But then you have to find something else that's not cynicality um, or cynicism. <laughs> yeah. The, the, uh, and so... Uh, it is seeing that it's a lot that people it's easier to be fake than to be authentic huh. at times yeah. when, you, when you're especially when you're up front. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. And so I think that being being a PK, a pastor's kid, you see how easily someone can put on the mask mm-hmm. and be OK. And then you and learn you, those tools. You look for it in everything else. Yeah. It mm-hmm. become you can see and yeah. it, it doesn't matter whether that's church related or teacher related. Uh, my mom's also a teacher, so it's the same. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't see her every day teaching, but a similar sort of concept of being up front and uh, uh, that position of being a leader, but being guarded. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And, and it's like knowing a magic trick, knowing like sleight of hand or something like that. And not to say that this is, I don't mean to compare uh, pastors to like magicians who are trying to trick you or things like that. But that sense of like when you, if you knew how a trick works and you saw someone else doing it, you know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can see immediately, even if you don't know their technique, you can see, oh, they're now doing this. And they're they're distracting these people from this reality that they don't want you to see. Yeah. And maybe and the best ones do it in a way that they can't even tell. And we who know the magic tricks may not know how they've done it and be like, actually, they did that so well that I did believe it. But I still know that they're doing this, this thing. Yeah. And so the hard thing is trying, trying not to slide into that myself, um, and to recognize it. But then, what do you do in lieu of that? I think is the difficult thing. Yeah, and I think to tie it back in to the, the bigger systemic issues in our society, when you see uh, something that is good uh, to other people or to, and to you, and then you see brokenness in that, uh, in that, in the church or the people in the church, uh, it becomes, I think it becomes, especially when you're younger, it you look for it in everything. Uh, yeah. And you can see that side, oh, well, I am now cynical about all of these things. Yeah. You know? When you see any drop of inauthenticity, uh, I don't even know if that's the right word for it, but you know what I mean. Um, then it makes you that you can really lean into that, cyni- mm-hmm. that cynicism um, and see it everywhere. And it is everywhere. And so the the thing that I the hard thing is recognizing that just because it's there doesn't mean that's defining it. I think in some mm-hmm. cases there is no substance behind that illusion. But in other cases, it is there. And so part of knowing how the sausage is made means that you have to be able to find the authentic hope in the midst of this. And sometimes there are some places that just don't have it. Well, it's like, I mean, it reminds me right now, your Dunkirk talks, uh, you know, saying like, Hey, you have to keep on fighting. And it's like fighting to find hope. Hmm. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, Christianity, but it's fighting to find hope and all right, like this community, these people are are failing, but I'm going to keep on trying to find that group or that community, that person to, yeah. And it's all, you're going to end up a God if you're just looking around here. That's where you should be looking. But just to connect that in case you didn't hear the other episode, the, the quickly, the Dunkirk, there's a, the movie Dunkirk by Dunkirk. Christian Nolan. It's fantastic. 
Uh, it's not spoiling it because it's a historical movie. At the end of it, they lose. <sighs> uh, the Nazis take over France, and they, but they win in that they're able to get back. It's all these people who have lost the battle at the beginning, basically, and they just have to get off the speech off of France. Nazis have taken over France, and they have to get back to Great Britain, and, and they can be safe then. And eventually they get back, but they feel like they've lost. And so the ending of the movie is so... Uh, moving because it, it basically the story is saying sometimes surviving is enough and that there's hope just in survival and that not everything is a happy ending but that and even in it, and it resonates with this with so much of the Bible that we don't read the more depressing kind of like Ecclesiastes and the darker Psalms of lament and Job and, and, and things like that where um, God is making room to say yeah it does suck but I'm still here and you're still here and that's okay. Like mm-hmm. the end of Job is basically like, I mean, God does yell at Job, but at the end he's like, you're going to be okay. Yeah. Not now, <laughs> yeah, but right. you will be. So just trust me. It'll be. And Job says, I di- I'm sorry. I didn't think about that, that you're bigger than me. And that it, the fact that I didn't understand what was going on speaks to how much bigger you are. Yeah. And I should have trusted you. And so, and that's the end of Dunkirk is just kind of saying like, you, it's today you needed to survive. And that's a victory. Mm-hmm. And there are seasons in our life where they're not the classic victories. And I think that the church has struggled with that. And so we've had a number of leaders where, and again, having that ability to see the sleight of hand, mm-hmm. when you can see that they're selling you something that is completely vacuous, mm-hmm. that it's a fake hope, that they, instead of saying it's okay that life sucks and you're still here, they're saying, no, life doesn't suck. You just yeah. need to do this. And th- and then, and it's actually a victory. And we've done this. And, or there's this enemy that we need to attack. Yeah. And that's the problem. And then, yeah, that brings us to like a, the more macro conversation of look at these things, I think, that make, especially the three of us, like really mad where you look at the people preaching and say, hey, yeah, come be a Christian. You'll make a lot of money. Oh, my gosh. You know, oh, man. Like it's that sort of like, uh, no, no, no. Like it doesn't have to be bad. Like it says it'll be good. So come and give me money and then uh, you'll get money to be good. Have you guys seen... To add a little levity to this, it's yeah. so, it's gotten yeah, so serious got, in here. I we got deep, the yeah, because it's it's because it's 150 degrees. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. We should put our shirts back on. <laughs> <laughs> At least our pants, Jay. Come on. I promise nothing. <laughs> so, have you guys seen Preacher Sneakers? No. Oh, it's just, it's just, oh oh man! I highly recommend everyone go right now on Instagram. There's an account called Preacher Sneakers, oh, okay. and it is it is solely literally right now. What's uh, happening? It is. So on Instagram, you can hear the touchscreens. <laughs> that's how a grandpa uses a phone. I just start smacking yeah, my phone really what? hard. Uh, so Preacher Sneakers is this. Uh, Whoops, it's like the photo. It's this. <laughs> Whoopsie. It's this Instagram account that just shows like the mega uh, preachers. Like uh, oh uh, no, and and I see it coming, and then it shows. Like them on stage, and then it, uh, it and where you can see their shoes. Oh my! And gosh. then it goes to a, a shoe resale site and prices what those that pair of shoes actually cost. That's fantastic. and that's all it does, and it doesn't comment on them or anything like that. Yeah. And it so they are there are preachers that are oh wearing shoes gosh. that are two thousand dollars. One, I can't believe that there are like Nike Air Force Ones that cost two thousand dollars. Get off my plane. I- <laughs> <laughs> So I've been Tyler. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 we, down there. Yeah, we that hit it. it. We hit it right there. 
He uh, wanted levity. So yeah. that, but all is so. And, and the brilliant thing about the story. So I read an article about the guy who did it. He goes to a church. He goes to a big non-denom church, and his his uh, fiance, I think it was, works for like is on the praise team. Yeah. And he was trying to find. He's like a, a programmer or something like that. And he uh, he has a ho- as a hobby. He buys and resells sneakers. Like he's just a collector. And he was looking for like the the lyrics to a praise song from Elevate Worship, which is Stephen Furtick's church. He's yep. this big mega pastor in Charlotte. Um, and he realized that the the pastor or the the praise leader had these uh, Jordans on that were like fifteen hundred dollars, mm-hmm. and he was like, "What?" And then he really like found another picture that really showed it, and then he and then it made him realize like, "Well, if the praise leader is wearing that, what are these pastors wearing?" And then he found like insane amounts of pastors who have wardrobes that are thousands like tens of thousands of dollars on their body like he'll so t-shirts and it's all stuff that looks like garbage too like that's none of them it's we we think it's the fake relatability exactly and it's and and it's that uh relatability to super rich trendy people Mm -hmm. but the street uh like it's this kind of younger wear that is these like really really rare like Air Yeezys, there's a lot of those yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. And well, that's why the, I, that's like, why I preach on a pulpit so that nobody can see my forty dollars Skechers. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. that's Tyler only wears New Balances. So <laughs> no, I do not wear New Balances. I wear Sockneys oh, exclusively. I used to wear better. I used to exclusively wear Sambas all the time. Ooh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, so my three pairs of shoes are Sambas, Chuck Taylor All Stars. Yes, mm-hmm. sir. And but the Chuck Taylor All Stars hurt my feet after a while because I got real flat feet. Yeah. So the and I got real broad. Yeah, you feet. can't wear those if you're standing a lot. Yeah. So I got re- my my feet are really wide, and I found that the sambas and the sockneys really jazz low pro sockneys, everybody. But I love that site the because it does speak to this kind of like inauthenticity of this fake culture of success. And it, these are all like Judah Smith and like these people that either you know their names or you don't. Yeah. But it's like um, Osteen. Yeah. It's not, but he's not one of them because he wears a suit. So Joe Osteen is a, is a classic example of the old televangelist, where yeah. it's like the Jimmy Swaggart or James or Jim Baker or something like that from the '80s. Um, and now we've got these younger people like Stephen Furtick and Judas Smith and all these like guys, hipsters, who, hipsters, yeah, in the Hillsong, New York guy, yeah, fake yeah. hipsters. But they're and and they're trying to pretend that they're this one thing, but they're really just all like real conservative Baptists. Um, and uh, that whole culture is part of what can be so off-putting. And I think lead us to a larger thing of like to be someone in the church. And I think we've all experienced this to a degree. So I think that we there's a spectrum here of that we've all been turned off by the church yeah. in certain mm-hmm. ways. One of the main reasons why I became a pastor, um, why I felt like God was calling me to be a pastor is that I had a I had I had seen I had been given access to a lot of really bad pastors, yeah. and again seeing the sleight of hands, knowing how the things work, I I've also seen some really good ones, authentic ones, and when you do it authentically, it can be so great when you make it not about you but about how good these this story is, and not like how good this fairy tale is, but how authentic how true this story is, and that the larger story is big enough for all of us. And that it encompasses all so many things that there is no secular world and Christian world, that there's just God's world. And God talks through Kendrick Lamar and Chance the Rapper and yeah. Tom Cruise and all this Dunkirk. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dunkirk. All of it. Um, and to see that and to know that it's being presented so poorly and kind of the opposite thing, then I felt obligated to 
try to get in there and tell the story in the way that it had been told to me at certain times. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I, I think there's a classic two-way response to this, and I think, interestingly, there's a third way that's in the room right now, but but I, I want to drill on it a little bit, because I think there are people in churches that, that, that give you the hopey, happy, over, inauthentic, right, everything's fine. I think there are a lot of people in those churches that know that's not true, but buy it anyway. Yeah. Because they just have to. Um, well, and, and that's what we've been taught. Right. That it's not mm-hmm. the que- you don't question it's you you aren't coming to these places to have like discussions you're coming to these places to be told what to think yeah well I, that sounded more cynical than I wanted it to well but yeah. no but yeah but then there's like the gungers who start questioning yeah. and start pulling at the thread the threads of that and go all the way overboard yeah. and say no no I can't have any of it um, so I, I I I'm particularly interested. If you're here, if you've grown up in the church, if you've seen it warts and all, if you've seen the sausage being made, and you're still here, what gives you hope for it? I mean, what gives you hope for this this weird, crazy thing called church? Jimmy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah you both turned and looked at me pretty... Uh... We should yeah. do a video version of this sometime. We should. Yeah. Right. But then I'd have to wear We'd pants. Have to, yeah, we have to put shirts on. I mean, it's this... <laughs> <laughs> This isn't serious at all. <laughs> it's Jesus. I mean, I don't know. You know, it's the, it's a, hmm. uh, I, re, I resist corniness, uh, but it is just like the story. It's, it's Jesus. You know, it's the, like a lot of the time I, I, <clears throat> when I look at, you know, the church or uh, I've had many experiences where, you know, you, the church always projects as, op- you know, whatever community you're in projects as open, you know, like, Hey, everyone come in. And then you're like, Oh, yes. Great. I love this. I'll come in. And then like, oh no, you need to conform to what we want you to do. Like, ah, but I don't know. I think there's some room here for disagreement or like, uh, I don't know. That's kind of who I am. And like, uh, you know, I'd love to talk to you about that if that's good or not. And they're like, no, no, it's bad. Like, oh. uh, and you, when you're turned off uh, by that and, and told that you're wrong after you're supposed to be open, uh, especially when that, that always will ring true or ring false with what I, uh, the gospel, Yeah. you know, with what Jesus is saying. Being told I'm wrong or false, like, is, is rings rings false, and that's why the hope remains for like, well, the story is still telling me that 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 I'm okay, that I'm okay, and I'm loved, and that's what brings me back. Huh. It's interesting the damage um, to to bring it back to, the, I think it was Jay's initial question, like, sometimes the damage of acting like you're post racial, post uh, misogyny, post post any of these problems, post church being that like say yes we're completely open mm-hmm. can be more damaging because you are presenting that because we're not right. there's yeah. always there's boundaries for everybody it's like I, I realize this in parenting is that the the parents who said well i don't have boundaries around my kids you do have boundaries yeah. and it's going to be really confusing for those kids when they find what the boundaries are yeah eventually yeah. they will find them they can be and, as wide as you want them to yeah, be and it may fair. be like drugs or, that they won't find out until they're like in high school or something but then you can't we all have limits. We all have stuff. And we need to, it's not that we shouldn't, we need to name them. Like we need to do say like, yes, we have problems with racism in this country. Yes, we do have problems and name them personally for ourselves too, but Mm -hmm. name them systematic, systemically and systematically within our, within our communities and our cultures. And I think Jimmy, your point is like that when you say you're open and you're not open, that's worse than not saying you're open. Yes. Right. Well, there's a dog chasing his tail kind of bit to that too that I've seen lately that there are some churches that are so open, um, specifically lately it seems around LGBTQ, things like that. Um, 
but that they're so open to to that that anybody who is not as open to that as they are yeah right get excluded yeah and you, you, you can it sometimes gets comical to the point of like everybody's yeah. welcome We're open here to everybody except for those who aren't open right and it's like what? oh and i mean we i'm sure i would assume you guys struggle with this too yeah you're like uh, oh, absolutely. the people that make me the most upset are the people who are super judgy like uh you know if other, yeah. and you're like oh i'm becoming really judgy of them how do yeah. i how do you know like right. uh, well that was in in the episode that we had with bentley i made a statement about like uh, the loudest people in the room are often the people who are the least open to hearing things. And mm-hmm. they're people usually who have strong opinions about politics or religion <laughs> or about how good of a band Weezer is. Yeah. <laughs> like, so how much realize, they love Tom Cruise. Yeah, how, yeah. Realizing halfway through that statement is like, oh, crap, that's me yep. in so many parts of my life. And it, it's, it is a hard because we, we like to be I think part of the human uh, condition is that we like to be right. Mm-hmm. And even especially once we have found out that we were wrong and we're trying to change, then we really want to be right. If we have made efforts to change, like if we have repented from a certain thing, if we used to be judgmental against LGBTQ people and now we aren't, then we really want to be on the right side. And part of the right Right. side is naming who's on the wrong side. And that then perpetuates that same thing. And it's not to say that that, that loving people is bad, but loving people is bad when you are judging other people based on your ability to love right, people. It's right. the same problem. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I think that that's the struggle. That's where we are right now. And that's a, that's a better place than where we were before. Right. Just and pretend so, it's not yeah. there. And yeah. so the fact that we're arguing about Black Lives Matter versus Blue Lives Matter, which is, I, I can't. The dumbest duality ever. Oh, I can't handle that. But at least that conversation is better than thinking we've solved racism right yeah we that's, haven't <laughs> well it's class that's i mean i don't know if this is uh repeating myself it's classic white guy just to be like uh oh like uh women uh should be paid equally dope we solved it I'm like no actually there's a lot of other things <laughs> yep, going on yep. like oh okay you don't want uh sexually harassed oh we won't do that then we solved it I'm like no there's still yeah. stop just, saying you've solved it yeah and, and you know, or that's implying the, that's the it thing. like that uh oh what's his name who's the turtle in in the senate Mitch McConnell. <laughs> Mitch McConnell. Uh, I love how quickly I could come yeah, up with that. That was that. good. That was yeah. really good. So Mitch McConnell, there's never been a human who's looked more like a turtle. No, than that's, that. that's 100% accurate. Good. Well, when he was saying how reparations the other day is a terrible idea. Right. Oh, man. With yeah. This guy. We solved it. We don't need it. Yeah, we solved it. And when, and when he said, like, and this he gets used so much, like, he listed all these things. He's like, one, no one who caused slavery was is alive now. False. And two... <laughs> Like yeah. then he said a bunch of other things. He said, "And we elected an African American." What? That's uh, like that's the political version yeah. of "I have black friends." Yeah, I have yeah, black right. friends. Yeah, it's like what we hired a woman. What more do you want us yeah. to do on this staff? Right. Like, yeah, we don't let her preach, but she's on yeah, staff. But she's here, yeah. right? Yeah, she, she does the children's yeah. ministry. And I think part of it is, you know, I, I've had debates with people about this all the time, especially on the race thing. I don't know where this comes from, but there are people in my life who will say, "I, I shouldn't have to apologize for being a white guy." Where I am, I I don't think there's anything wrong with owning our place in the problem. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I think actually that's the first step in the right actually solving the problem. Yeah. Um, it's not to say that like it, it, as a white guy I'm a horrible person because X Y and Z, but like I have privileges that other people don't have. Yeah. And like you just got to name that, uh, and and own your place in it. And and naming that is an essential part of the process, but it's not the end of the process. And a lot no, of times right. we no, no. Act step one. because we want to be reformed people. 
uh, it, not in the theological sense. We want to be people who are better and we fixed ourselves. So we want to reward ourselves by naming that thing to think, well, okay, I have now seen my uh, participation in this systematic racism, so therefore I'm not part of the problem anymore. Right. Yeah. And no, we're still part of the problem. In the yeah. same way that I recognize that greenhouse gases are a bad thing, but I still drive a car that that uses 100% gas. Well, because part of the system is our system. Our system makes it really difficult to not be part of that system. But I can't just solve it by it's like the hands across America analogy. Uh, especially if you saw us, yeah, us. Ooh, yeah. That's another one that's. I would, it's not as good as Get Out. That's why I didn't list that one. That's fine. Uh, but the thank you for accepting that uh, apology. <laughs> <laughs> but so I mean, Us has this great example. I watch the movie Us, but Hands Across America becomes spoiler this analogy. Alert. It's not really a spoiler in this sense. That Us is used it as an example. Or uh, Hands Across America was a thing that happened in the eighties, in like nineteen eighty six, where the whole idea was that we'll all just get together and hold hands across America to raise awareness for. Poverty, homelessness, something. Who cares? And that the whole idea of raising awareness is gestures. That is, I mean, to get to uh, your your frustration with the straw thing. Oh my gosh! Is that the least you can do? It's not the least you can do because it's something. It's something. The least you can do is raising awareness. That's true. So, like your uh, it had you done so your bike for MS. Yeah. If you had done that and not and raised zero money. But Pointless. you're just you're just trying to raise awareness. Yeah, that's the least you can Pointless. do. Pointless. And there's so much. Well, no, not pointless because you know what that is. That's super. I mean, in that analogy specifically, if I had done a bike ride for MS to raise awareness, there is no way to do that that doesn't draw so much attention to me yes. and how awesome I am. But that's what the raise awareness is. Is like, look, guys, we did it. It's right. satiates. So there's part of our brains that we are created with. Yeah. That wants to help. And even though people who are don't don't help people, they still have that part of it. And so we think, oh well, I tipped this person, mm-hmm. or oh well, I gave them, I let them turn left when it wasn't their turn, yeah. like the annoying Pittsburgh left that we have here, which drives me crazy. Uh, and uh, it's what are just, you from Iowa it's, a, it's illegal. It's illegal, friends, and it's unsafe. <laughs> Uh, stop doing it. And I'm not going to, no matter how much you wave me on, just keep on driving. I'm fine. I can drive myself. Grandpa Tyler discusses traffic <laughs> patterns. If you don't know what a Pittsburgh I, left is. By the way, I never it's, forget it's that you're exhausting. 14 years older than me. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, buddy. Uh, I've so, been Jay. <laughs> so the problem is that we have this sense. Uh, that's even, to me, worse than the straws. Because the straws do have an impact. Sure. It's not a huge impact. Right. But it's it's the difference of like, if I um, if I turn my lights off in my house when I'm not using rooms, that's not going to save the world. But if everybody it does did that, it, it's like yeah. and it's like the tire pressure on your cars. If you check your tire pressure, it does change the gas mileage and uses less gas. It's not going to save the world, but it's if everybody did, it makes a difference. If everybody didn't use a straw, Jimmy, then Ooh. there would be a little less uh, sea turtles with straws up their noses. Uh, <laughs> but if everyone is just Oof. aware of poverty by holding hands. Yeah, and that is pointless. And and we as the church a lot of times are just thinking if we all just loved one another, mm-hmm. we'd be great. Yeah. It sure would be. Now how do we do that? Yeah. That's the question the church is not asking. Yeah. We just you're saying everyone needs to love one another. And the way and a lot of times the answer is how do we do that? By joining the church. Period. Mm-hmm. Like then there's no follow up to that. And then once we get in the church, well what do we do? We make sure that more people join the church. How do we do that? By telling them to love one another. How do they love one another? By joining the church. Right. And then it's just this thing. 
So I, I think, I mean, we see where the two of us have landed. And, and granted, we are 14 years older than you. 14 and 10 years older than you. Uh, so we have a bigger sense of where we've landed, but I still don't feel like I've landed. Fully. No, not even yeah, like we're, we're still We're still fluid. Um, but being at a different point in your journey with that, so where where is their place for you in the church? Where is their place for you in the story of faith? Yeah, I mean that's the the question I'm tr- I try to answer. I mean, yeah. I'm trying, you know, yeah. uh, the question I feel times that I don't have an answer to, um, and I think is something I struggle with, and you know, I'm trying to deal with and go to people for help. You know, for people who have been uh, either actively hurt by the church or watched the church actively hurt others. Mm-hmm. I think that that's what I've seen more personally. That's I mean, being a white male, uh, church doesn't hurt us very much. No, church is pretty happy to have us there. Um, but until I've, they're not, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> until they hurt, I, I've seen the church hurt lots of other people. Um, both the church by like as a whole and churches that I've been part of. Um, so I've seen it firsthand. I've seen it big in other ways, uh, and I've seen people defend that um, and dismiss that. Um, and so it's been the struggle, I think, is how to maintain it. And so I think there's a lot of I would I would assume there's a lot of folks who are listening who are in that same place who maybe have uh, given up on the church as an institution, understandably. Yeah. Um, how do we keep how have you personally kept from because I don't feel like you've given up yet. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. Um, I mean, I don't have the magical answer. I think it's. uh like I said earlier, this like the core story and uh, core beliefs still ring true as good and loving. Um, yeah, and I think surrounding myself with people like you two, uh, honestly, uh, and other the band, you two. <laughs> so Larry Mullen, Larry Mullen Jr. Son, yeah, Larry Mullen, Larry Mullen Sr. Son, Larry son. Yeah. Uh, Fetch, Bonobos, Bonobos, and Adam uh, Clay, two thousand pounds, Adam Clay, two thousand pounds. <laughs> <laughs> One person got that. Achtung! Baby! <laughs> that was just uh, for Jimmy and I. Like, that's, that's, I don't know anyone else that's yeah. ever listened to that. No. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's finding the people um, who will still love you. I, I, it's, uh. it's, it's people. Uh, people are the ones who have hurt me and let me down, I think. Um, and people are the ones who keep me there. And, like, that's the when I struggle with being connected to the bigger church, the big C church, uh, looking nationally or looking, you know, even locally, uh, it's still the people that are the ones that the people and the core story. And even as I follow a Gungorian like path <laughs> of pulling a thread and, and drifting away and being like, Jimmy, I don't know if your music's like a uh, super Christian anymore. Like you sort of, <laughs> it's real cynical. I'm like, yeah, it is. It is. It's real cynical and it's very hard. Uh, it's something I struggle with, but I still, you know, you're still there. Hmm. I haven't given up the hope yet, even if I'm crying and watching my plane burn on a beach in uh, France. Dunkirk. That's Dunkirk. a Dunkirk thing. But the valley, like allowing, like you said, sort of like, and knowledge, like that's a healthy thing. And we'd hope that they would, you know, you would hope that they would yeah. turn back to God. Uh, but, you know, that's a healthy place. And I think similarly, and you guys asking me, you know, how how have you not how do you still have hope or you know if i said i don't i would feel um i would still feel loved and like you guys would still be loving and, and open to be like hey if that's how you feel that's how you feel yeah and not saying like oh well then i need to not 
be friends with you or, yeah. or like then I need to uh, be mean to you uh, until you come back. Uh, you well, know? And then our relationship is predicated on your ability to believe in God. Right. Yeah. And that's and to be part of the club because it's not even about yeah. in that sense. It's it's the care that we have for the church on that level is not about your ability to be a human being. Right. It's about your ability to subscribe to this belief system that I subscribe to. Right. Yeah. And if you can't do that and we do that in all kinds of things, we do that in the like the teams that we are fans of the music that we like, the movies that we love, mm-hmm. the the people that we hang around with, the kind of jokes that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, we we create tribes and tribes are not ultimately healthy. No. Um, and that's the, I, I think that we have leaned into a tribal mentality of exclusivity that we're open to you as long as you are okay with these mm-hmm. things and whether it's LGBT stuff or you have to be okay with Wes Anderson movies, we have to be okay with yeah. the movie Armageddon or Tom Cruise movies or, mm-hmm. uh, any of those things. And if you can't fit into that, then you're not welcome into our well, inner circle. <laughs> this has turned into such a personal place for me. I, we have a, a friend yes. that, um, is very much in that valley of questioning and 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 he would claim himself atheist um i I don't know if i'm convinced of that yet just based on the way he asks the questions he asks um but some of my friends i mean it's a from a group of friends that all grew up in the same church environment and the question all of our friends around him are asking is how do we bring him back and my answer to that has always wanted to be we don't we we just show up and be his friend have you pushed him away Right, and, yeah. and and my th- and back to what? Right, the the that the, the main the thing faith we had in college because that's not, ridiculous. How do we not let him right. go? Right, yeah, and, and 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 I think there is such incredible value in just being a friend, regardless of what somebody believes. Yeah. Um, now the bad news for him is I suck at being a friend too because <laughs> I'm never around. But like, well, that your life is too busy biking. Yeah. yeah, 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 too busy biking. I can't get anywhere. You yeah. know, how far away. It takes it a to- long. Takes a, a lot of your, a lot of your free time <laughs> yeah, is right. just biking to places. Right. But like, but but to insist that somebody be of the same faith that I am before I'll hang out with them is just an absurd assertion. Um, or to even assert that we need that the, the friendship is ultimately built on getting somebody back into faith. Yeah, what mm-hmm. a cheap transactional friendship that is, right? Like, yeah. The other reality, too, is I think if we authentically talked about what we actually believe, that we don't even really talk about to ourselves. Like, I think yeah. most people have not actually sat down with the person in the mirror and said, what do, do I really buy this stuff? And and where's my boundaries on this? Like, I may be okay with this, but I'm not okay with that. Yeah. I think uh, we would find that most of the people in the pews or most of the people in our circles of people that we can talk about faith with, we're not on the same page. I mean, hopefully we're on the same page of Jesus is great and he loves us all and he saved us all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think beyond that, like... I. I know that there's a lot of people like topics like the devil topics like hell inerrancy of the Bible inerrancy of the Bible talks about what heaven looks like and Mm -hmm. who gets there. It talks about our relationship with the, the planet and why, what God did in terms of what dominion means. Like when people say God granted dominion to human beings over the earth, what does that mean? We can do whatever we want, right? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And, and also then God granted dominion to the earth, to the devil. So what does that mean? Are we the devil? Like what, Oh man, we got a devil show at some point. Yeah, and Rob yeah. Bradford called us that he wants in on he it. He really wants yeah. in. Yeah, Rob Bradford, a man with uh, real soft opinions on things. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been Jay. <laughs> yeah, think- as opposed to you. Yeah, <laughs> opposed to all three of us. I do not have hard opinions on things. <laughs> Shut up. Um, I think that the 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 one thing I, I that uh, I think a lot of times when I am the most dubious 
about people who claim to be atheists. Hmm. Um, because I think that most people who claim to be atheists are actually agnostic yeah. and, ha- and just don't want anything to do with what the church is, what, what is available in America under the category of faith. I think with the, my favorite heretic Rob Bell said yeah. that when he talks to atheists and they, he says, describe to me the God you don't believe in. And they tell him, and he says, yeah, I don't believe in that God either. I thought that was my favorite marketing exec, Donald Miller. Oh, was said it? that? I think so. He was stealing from Rob Bell. I'm yeah. all sure of it. I got to say. Uh, oh, uh, Papa John's just offered me a coupon. Can oh, I redeem this in person? Oh, or can I? <laughs> <laughs> I have, this is another thing. I, I'm really disheartened by the amount of like uh, Christian speakers and things like that, Christian authors who then just became like marketing gurus. Oh, my gosh. So Donald Miller, Carlos Whitaker, John Acuff, like these people who just have become them. They've made themselves the brand, which is interesting. And it's maybe because the clock says we have to. And because uh, it's yeah, right. We do, we do. This is how you land the plane. Those people are the ones who have the sleight of hand figured out so well. Yeah. That they divorce it entirely from faith spirituality they're doing all Mm -hmm. the same things that they did for the church and now doing it for profit which i don't i i hate to call people out on that because you got to make a living sure but i also i just don't love what you're selling and i don't like it because it's being so it's so obvious that like oh i could just use this to i I could get a bigger reach if i just take the faith out of it yep and Mm -hmm. also being a life coach you don't need any qualifications for that. You just need an audience. And I now have an audience. So sure. I'll tell you how to lose weight in 40 days, or I'll tell you how to uh, stop quitting things or start starting things or yeah. like buy this dry race calendar that costs a hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's what I've uh, heard you say or tweet before about uh, be careful of uh, the person who's the hero of their own story. I mean, to, to that point um, in terms of, uh, Jimmy is great at calling out a lot of the realities of, of the, I think, the the hypocrisy, lowercase h, hypocrisy that that friends should be able to call that out. Mm-hmm. And one of the jabs that Jimmy has very lightfully but also very authentically is that I do like to debate people. I do like, and I don't, I don't like to debate people. I debate people. I think that's a better way of putting it. <laughs> it I don't, just happens. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. like, and I don't feel, I don't want to feel like I need to be right, but I often am operating on a sense of, I am right, and let me tell you that. And that's something that um, I'm trying to get better at listening. I'm trying to get better at doing that stuff. But I know the sleight of hand of it. I know that a large part of what makes a uh, us successful in this culture, not just Christian culture, but American culture, is the ability to persuade people, the ability to have an opinion and get people to buy into that. And that can be a really good thing if you use it well, if you use it for the better of other people and not for the betterment of yourself. Yeah. And I think that's that's the frustration with those Christian leaders who have turned this into a market with people wearing $2,000 shoes is that they're clearly benefiting on something that is meant to benefit all of us mm-hmm. instead of one person. Yeah. And it's uh and we don't have to be millionaire pastors or or things like that to still be playing that same game. I may not have $2,000 shoes, but I definitely have those things in me that are inauthentic. Yeah. And it's not just pastors, it's all all of us that we, that the church is not just the leaders, the church is the church that we have all bought into the system that just says, "You know what? You just have to do this." Like that's and and 
yeah, I have these questions, but it's easier just to not ask the questions because nobody's really asking them. So it's yeah. not really expected. We just need to show up and do this thing and find the one thing that can get us through the year or the group of people that we can hear. And, and I think that those are good, but that's not the end game that we need. We can change the culture of Christianity and the culture of America, the culture of humankind. If we all just agree to be a little more authentic yeah. and to be a little more flawed and to let people to have grace when people do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and to know that we don't solve everything just by admitting it. We need, but that's, that's a necessary step that we need to stop being pretending to be perfect because that just pushes more people out. 100%. So for Social Media Machine, uh, here's my question for us. And I think this is a vulnerable question to ask, but just having finished an episode on authenticity, I think it's <laughs> safe to do. Um, where are the places where the church has most wounded you? Um, and, and, and how have you seen that sleight of hand? And if you are around still, if you still hang in uh, with this crazy thing called church, why? Uh, what is it that, that keeps moving you through that in spite of the wounding that you've had? And again, I, to Tyler's last point at the end there, I think this is to even ask this question, if you're going to interact in any way with this, we need to have grace towards each other um, when we're being authentic and when we're not. So, And that could be a DM to the to oh yeah YouTube the, 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 the band the band YouTube the band yeah <laughs> DM direct message YouTube like, DM hey, YouTube and tell well, them how the church music, has hurt you the church has hurt me this way <laughs> no uh, yeah I mean yeah totally uh, coming up uh, very soon I think it's coming up in like the next week or so uh, we're gonna be at the Moment to Mission conference doing the live, a live show show yeah uh, we're gonna be recording in the afternoon I think at like one o'clock or something but yeah. we'll give you some we'll, we'll tweet out more details but come it's open to all come join us for that it's gonna be super fun we're gonna do a q a i feel like we should do a q a oh if we have time yeah. certainly we'll yeah. do a q a it is uh okay. wednesday the 24th so join us for that that'll be super fun yeah it's gonna be a blast all right so i've been tyler i've been jay i've been jimmy and we've been roughing, roughing the, the pastor, pastor. ASMR episode. Yeah. What does that stand for? ASMR. Oh, I don't know. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> I don't think anybody does. I don't know what it stands for. Uh, it stands for audio uh, symmetric because in both ears. Uh, media. Recording. Uh, recording. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably, I bet at least two of those words are right. Oh. Definitely audio. And yeah. Boy, if Prob- audio, if that wasn't audio. <laughs> if the two words that are correct are what is symmetric. <laughs> symmetric. <laughs> and uh, what, was the, what was the other thing you said? Media. media. <laughs> symmetric media. <laughs> I think those are the two correct. Animal symmetric media renaissance yeah. is what it stands yeah. for. But I don't know. We'll just tap and yeah. then we'll. Just like, oh, oh, oh. Uh, you giving smooches over there? I did look down and I, I, I just thought you were going. We'll be and this is roughing the. Oh, no. 